You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. So, for those first time here, you're coming into the, the probably the best part of the sermon series because we're, we're landing the plane on it. And uh, we've been talking with a series called Why Isn't It Working? Why isn't it working? And it's a question that I asked God that I felt like he was answering and showing me in the scriptures, and I decided that I was going to share it with y'all as we went on this journey. The very beginning part of this series, we asked the question, why isn't it working in reference to the Word of God? And maybe it's just me, and y'all are more spiritual than me, but there have been times where I have believed, prayed, spoken the Word of God, asked, and I haven't seen the full fruition of the Word of God work in my life. I read it on the pages, but somehow it doesn't manifest in my life, and I've asked the question, why isn't it working? Why does it work for some people? We all have that one spiritual friend that seems to, every time they pray, God answers. Every time they read the Bible, it's this brand new revelation that's changing their lives, And then here we are sometimes sitting there, and I read the Bible, and I'm falling asleep. I ask God, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And the question is, why isn't it working? And I feel like the Lord brought me to the first parable that Jesus had ever talked about, the story or the parable of the sower. And he tells this to a group of people, to a congregation. He's preaching by the water, and he tells this parable of a sower goes and sows seed. The seed falls by the wayside, it falls on the stony ground, it falls on the thorny ground, and then eventually it falls on good ground and it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And then he finishes the whole parable with, he who has ears, let him hear. And then he dismisses the church and he goes home. And an hour or two later, the disciples show up to the house and they say, hey Jesus, That was a great sermon, really enjoyed it, you killed it, you knocked it out the park, great sermon, but Judas over here has a question, he wants to know, what were you talking about? I've never understood what the parable of the sower meant, and Jesus actually explains the parable of the sower to the disciples, and praise God that we are on this side of the cross where we have access to the Bible, where we can read all of these stories of what Jesus did. And there's three different accounts in the Bible of Jesus explaining the story of the parable. In Mark chapter 4, in Luke chapter 8, in Matthew chapter 13. So we have been going through this journey over the last couple of weeks of looking at the story of the parable of the sower and then looking at the three different Uh, stories how Jesus interprets those things. We talked about the seed first because that's what Jesus talks about first, how a sower goes to sow the seed, and the seed is the word of God. And he says, he who has ears, let him hear. And the goal that we talked about in this series is how do I take the seed, the word of God, and bring it to good ground to where it's bearing fruit in my life? And where it's producing 30, 60, 100 fold. How do I go from the seed, from sitting here today and hearing the word of God preached, 
to on Monday morning seeing the fruit of that manifest in my life, seeing the change of that in my life, seeing my marriage change, seeing my life change, seeing my insecurities change, seeing the things that I need to see that line up with the Word of God show up in my life because we believe that the Bible is the ultimate truth. Everything else is false. The Bible, as Christians, is the ultimate truth. Jesus came, and on his side, it says in John chapter 1, he came with grace and truth. Jesus says you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we want to figure out how to go from seed to fruit, from the word that I'm hearing to the manifestation in the flesh And the scripture that we've been focusing on throughout this series is James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's go back to verse 21. And we've gone throughout this series understanding in order for the word to work, we are going to have to lay aside some things. We're going to have to let some things go. And we believe through this series that the Holy Spirit has spoken to each and every one of us about some things that we need to lay down, about some things that we need to let go. We talked about the wayside, and Jesus, when he interprets what the wayside means, is that it's the devil coming to attack. We talked about the stony ground, and when we saw what Jesus was explaining what the stony ground was, he was talking about the struggles of the world. He talks about temptation. He talks about persecution. He talks about tribulation that comes and attacks and takes away the word of God. And then last week, we talked about the thorny ground which we see in the scriptures that it talks about our internal struggles, the insecurities, the mental issues, the emotions that we have that can choke out the word of God and cause it to not work. So therefore, we're going to have to let go of some things with the help of the Holy Spirit, revealing to us some things we need to let go. And it says here that we need to receive something. So I'm letting go of it. The things of this world, resisting the devil, making sure he's fleeing out of my life, letting go and forgiving some things and some emotions in my life, but we also get to receive something. And what are we receiving? It says the implanted word. And why is it so important to receive the word of God, but also see the manifestation of it happen? Because it says here that the implanted word is the only thing in this world that is able to save your soul. There is no amount of power, there is no amount of money, there is no amount of alcohol, there is no amount of uh, women or men, there is no amount of anything in this earth that can save your soul. The only thing that can save your soul is the implanted word, and we know that Jesus is the word. You see that in John chapter 1. And then the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Then he died on the cross. It's the gospel message. It's the only thing that can save your soul. John, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, that I receive from you that I also deliver, that Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. And if you confess that and you believe that, that implanted word is what saves your soul. It pulls you out of heaven, out of hell, and brings you into heaven pulls you out of darkness and brings you into light, pulls you away from the graps of Satan and brings you into the sonship of God the Father. 
Word of God. So we've got to let go of some things and we've got to receive some things. And today we are talking about the good ground. We've talked about all of the other types of ground that's on there, but today we're going to talk about the good ground. And Jesus talks about the good ground in the parable itself of Mark chapter 4, verse 8. In Mark chapter 4, verse 8, this is the last section of the parable of the sower. Jesus is saying, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, that increased, and that produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Praise God for that. I like that. And this is the goal to go from the seed of the sower to the full harvest of the fruit in our lives that I want to see the Word of God work in my life, in your life, in the congregation's life, in anyone who believes the Word, as soon as God sows that seed into my life, I want to bring it through full fruition to see the fruit of it manifest in my life. I want to see the Word go from the seed to being made flesh. I want to see that Word of God go from the pages to being a miracle manifestation in the flesh. I don't want to just read that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I want my body, the fruit of that word, to show up and manifest and be healed. I don't want to hear he that the sun sets free is free indeed and then just go by the wayside. I want to see the freedom happen in my life where the addiction is broken off, the chains of the devil are broken off, where the freedom shows up. And who I once was is now who I no longer am because of what God's Word has done in my life. When I grew up, and I remember hearing preachers and pastors preach on this thing, and maybe it was just my understanding of how they were preaching it, but I feel like I had some wrong understanding in the parable of the sower. That at least for me, in my understanding of how I felt it was preached, is that we were always taught that the good ground were Christians. And if anybody was by the wayside, or had stony ground, or thorny ground, they were not saved. And so when being taught that the good ground was always Christians, and I believed the Word of God, and I didn't see it come to pass, I understood through the teachings, well, I'm good ground, so there must be something wrong with the seed. I'm good because I've been taught that I'm good ground, so therefore there must be something wrong with the Word of God and not me. That's how I feel like I was taught that bad things happen to good people. We've talked about this over and over throughout the series, that the Word always works. And when we have that mindset of, well, I'm good ground and there's something wrong with the Bible, that's where we get in trouble. And we start blaming God, we get angry at God, we leave God, we get frustrated at God, we get away from His church and His people, because all of a sudden we start saying and looking at God being like, you don't work. It doesn't happen the way that it's supposed to happen. But I want to remind you that the seed always works. The goal and the purpose of the Word of God is to bear fruit in your life. That is the purpose, that is the goal, that is the desire of God is for you to flourish in this life. 
He doesn't want to see you dealing with that same struggle over and over and over again. He doesn't want to see you dealing with that depression. He doesn't want to see you dealing with that frustration. He doesn't want to see you dealing with that. Jesus came to give life and more abundantly, the Scripture says. But it only makes sense that in our lives, as Christians, we are good ground. Believe me, being a Christian plays a very important role in the good ground. But we have things that attack us, things that come against us. The devil, we saw about it by the wayside. Who does the devil want to attack? Those that are serving him? Those that have given their life to him? Or those that have given their life to Christ. So of course the devil's going to attack. When, when the word shows up in a Christian's life, the first thing the devil wants to do is attack and take that away. And then we see the stony ground, the temptations, the tribulations, the persecutions of Christ, of, of the world coming against the Christians. And then our own internal struggles. We've all been hurt by someone, something. Mommy and daddy weren't fair. Brother and sister weren't fair. The dog and the cat weren't fair. The job wasn't fair. We hate ourselves. Some of us love ourselves a little bit more than we should. There's pride. There's disappointment. There's all these things that are happening that can cause the Word of God to not be effective in our lives. So we have to learn to let go of some of those things and receive the implanted Word. So let's talk about the good ground. Let's talk about how the seed turns to fruit. And we're just going to look at the three different stories that Jesus explains this parable. Number, uh, let's go Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. This is the first iteration of Jesus explaining the parable of the sower on good ground. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So the first step that we see is Jesus is speaking in regards to getting the seed to turn into fruit in your life is to hear and understand. To hear and understand. Throughout the parable of the sower, as Jesus is explaining it in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4, he says over and over again, hear, hear those who hear the word. That it's important that I put myself in position to hear the word of God and not only hear it but understand. There's a difference between listening and hearing. A big difference, that I can hear my daughter in the background making noise, but I'm not really paying attention to what is going on, because I know Alexis has got her, keeping her preoccupied. But hopefully you today are listening, you're tuned in. Some of you might be hearing me. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking of, when's he going to be done? Where are we going to eat? I can't wait to eat. I'm so hungry. Now that he's talking, now I've got your attention. You're saying, well, now I'm even more hungry because he's talking about food. I'm tired. We lost an hour. I stayed up too late. But it says here, 
that we need for the, for the seed, the Word of God, to come off the pages and manifest as a miracle in our lives, we first have to hear and understand. So I've got to put myself in positions to hear the Word of God. Starts with hearing. What are some ways that we can hear and understand the Word of God? Read your Bible. Uh-oh. Read your Bible. Pray and talk with God is another way. And come to church. Hey, you did that. Congrats. Ways and places and positions. Where am I going to hear the Word of God? More than likely, I'm not going to hear it on social media. I'm not going to hear it on the news. I'm not going to hear it on the internet. I'm not going to hear it, you know, we've got March Madness about to happen. A lot of basketball games going on. I'm from Louisiana. I'm an LSU fan. Been watching a lot of the SEC basketball. And I've listened over the last four or five days of them playing basketball. Not one announcer has told me that Jesus loves me. And believe me, I've been watching games, listening. I told my wife, I've got to watch all of these games so I could hear the Word of God be spoken to me. I've got to receive it. So I'm listening and, baby, don't leave me alone. I've got to watch this game. But I was shocked that through all of these games, now the championship game is this afternoon, so I'll tell you next Sunday if one of them witnesses to me via ESPN, but not one time did the announcer say, hey guys, while there's a timeout, I want to let you know that God loves you, that God sent his son to die for your sins. You don't have to live in that pain. You don't have to live in that depression. You don't have to live with those sin struggles anymore because he has set you free. And if you believe on his son, then you'll be free from that. Not one announcer told me that. Where am I going to hear the word of God? Well, the church house is a great place to start. Reading the Bible, reading his actual word is a great place to start. Communing and talking with God is a great place to start. And you know that when you have a conversation, when you're praying with God, it needs to be a two-way street. Not just you talking the whole time, but quieting yourself to hear him talk, to hear him say something, to hear him speak. Because the Holy Spirit wants to talk. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. He wants to comfort you. Hear and understand. Now, I want you to know that these three things that I've listed, pastors talk about these all the time. These are not works that will help you in regards to obtaining your salvation. It's not going to help you make God love you anymore. Well, now that he's reading his Bible, now I'm going to love him a little bit more and, and maybe I'll talk to him a little bit more. No, 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 that's not how it works. God always wants to talk to you. God can't love you anymore than he already has. For God so loved the world... He sent his son. That's how much love he has, that God is the definition of love. These are not works to help you obtain something. These are ways to help you put yourself in a position to hear the voice of God, to hear the word of God, to get that word from the outside to implant it inside of you so that it can save your soul. That's the end goal. There's a story that I want to read, a little bit lengthy, in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. Jesus, with his disciples, are on their, uh, their tour around Jerusalem and uh, around the area, and they end up near Jericho. 
We're just going to read the whole story, 10, 46 through 52. Now they came to Jericho as he, being Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Verse 47 says, and when, they, when he, being blind Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. The ones that were just criticizing him and telling him to shut up, all of a sudden, Hey, Jesus wants you. Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What? Do you want me to do for you? The implanted word has been spoken. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately the seed turned into fruit a hundredfold, and he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting there and Jesus and his disciples and the whole crowd walks by, and he says, hey, who's that? What's going on? There's a commotion. And he heard that it was Jesus. And as soon as he heard it, he understood how many people had walked by him throughout his life, how many Pharisees, how many Sadducees, how many religious people had walked by him, and he didn't say a word except for, can you give me some more money? But when he heard Jesus, he had already heard previously that there was a man by the name of Jesus who was raising the dead, who was healing the sick, who was touching lepers and seeing them instantly healed, who was causing blind people to see and lame people to walk. He heard and understood it. When he saw the opportunity for the word to walk by him, he said, I'm not going to miss my moment. The word is going to turn into fruit in my life. And Jesus, have mercy on me. He heard it, he understand it, he understood it, and the seed turned into fruit that same day. You need to put yourself in position to be near God so you can hear, understand, and receive. Let's keep rolling. How the seed turns to fruit. Number one, hear and understand. Number two is going to be found in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. The second story is Jesus is explaining good ground. Jesus explaining the good ground here, he says, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So the first story we saw, Jesus encourages us for the seed to turn into fruit in our lives. We need to hear and understand it. And here, the second thing is we need to accept it. We need to accept it. Other different stories that we've read throughout the parable means to believe, believe with joy, or receive it. But the second step for the seed to turn in the fruit, we need to hear it, put ourselves in a position to hear the Word of God, understand what it is, then we've got to learn to believe it. We've got to learn to accept it. We've got to learn to receive it with joy. Mark chapter 11, Jesus makes it pretty easy to understand how to accept it, how to believe it, how to receive it. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith 
in God. But God, you, but what about my situation? Have faith in God. But what about this? Have faith in God. But what about the season that I'm in? What about the job I'm in? What about the relationship I'm in? What about the struggle I'm in? It's overpowering. It's so much bigger than what the Word says. It's not working. I don't understand. And Jesus makes it so clear to us. Have faith in God. Verse 23, he continues on. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. How does the seed turn into fruit in your life? How does the Word of God go from pages to fruit to miracle in your life? You've got to hear and understand it, but you've got to believe it. The Word of God is completely true and everything else is false. The Word of God. As Christians, we believe what's in that book as the absolute. Doesn't matter what science is saying. Doesn't matter what the news is saying. Doesn't matter what social media is saying. The Word of God is the truth. Doesn't matter what my body is saying. I might not feel good today. My body might have sickness in me, but I don't care what my body says because the Bible says that by Jesus' stripes I am already healed. So that's the truth. My body, you've got to fall in line with the Word of God. Have faith in God. If you believe it, if you receive it, then you will have it. We have a bit of an older crowd here, so maybe you understand this reference. There was an actor a long time ago. By the name, well, his character was Barney Fife. What was the actor's name? It just left me. Don Knotts, thank you. Don Knotts. Was it the 60s, 70s when he had the movie, when all the movies that came out? He played this character to a T. But he was well known for the Andy Griffin show as being a deputy sheriff under the sheriff. Now think about this. This deputy sheriff had the uniform on, he had the gun, and he had the full backing of Andy, the sheriff of the town. But whenever he would go to arrest somebody, whenever he would go to a house, whenever he'd go to do whatever, he'd pull that gun out, and he, boy, he'd get to shaking, wouldn't he? He had all the power, he had all the authority, but he never used it one time in the show that I know of. I didn't watch all the episodes, but maybe he got the courage one, one episode and showed up and showed out. But for the most part, he always got scared. He always retreated. He always ran away. He wanted to be brave, and he had all the tools around him to help him succeed. He had the badge on his shoulder and on his chest that should have made any criminal stop. He had the gun in his holster, and any decision that he had, he had the sheriff's backing and approval to help him. But yet in every circumstance, he cowered and he fell down. Why do we as Christians, when the world comes against us, when the devil comes against us, when our own mental thoughts and emotions come against us, why is the first thing that leaves is our faith? 
Why is the first thing that we do is run away from God? You've got all the power. You have all the authority. Jesus has given you his name that is above every name. And at his name, it says, you're supposed to, everything's supposed to bow its knee. But when we come up against sickness, when we come up against poverty, when we come up against addiction, when we come up against those things, the first thing that runs by the wayside is our faith in God. And we say, well, this is a big thing. There's nobody that can save me from this. Why is it the first thing that we do when situations attack us is not go to the Word, we run from the Word. Instead of believing the Word, we doubt the Word. We question the Word. We as Christians do not need to be Barney Five Christians. Not in this day, not in this age. I need to see the Word of God go from the pages to full manifestation in my life, and I'm going to use the full authority and the backing of my Father to get rid of the devil, to not let the temptations and the persecutions and the tribulations of life overthrow me, and to not let those thorns inside of me. I'm going to learn to forgive and let go and open those emotions up. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Paul is writing to his son in the faith. He makes it very simple, just like Jesus did. Have faith in God. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed with good confessions in the presence of, my, of many witnesses. Paul would not be telling his son in the faith, fight the good fight of faith, if it was going to be an easy journey. He would have said, hey, take a nap with the good fight of faith. But no, he said, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Things are going to come against you. The devil's going to come against you. The world's going to come against you. Your friends and family are going to come against you. I can't believe you're believing the Bible. You believe that's actually true? You believe it actually means something? It actually change your life? It can actually help you? Yes, I do. It says it'll save my soul. So I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to stay true to it. Faith is, Hebrews 11:1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I haven't seen the answer yet. I haven't seen the fruit show up in my life, but I'm going to keep believing it. I'm going to keep standing on it. I'm going to keep quoting it. I'm going to keep showing up at church. I'm going to keep reading the Bible. I'm going to keep reminding God of his promises until I see the fulfillment of the fruit in my life. Amen. Now, number three, the third story, how to see the seed turn to fruit. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Jesus' third iteration of the explanation of the parable of the sower. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, Keep it and bear fruit with patience. The last step, bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. Number one, we have to hear and understand. We've got to put ourselves in a position to hear the word of God. What am I doing in my life to hear the word of God? What am I removing? What am I bringing in so that I can hear the word of God and understand it? And after I hear it and understand it, I've got to believe it. I've got to receive it. I've got to accept it. The last thing is, it's time for us to bear fruit, but with patience. Because God's timing and your timing aren't the same. God's timing and your timing aren't the same. 
and everybody, including me, hates that word, patience. You almost have to be patient when you're saying the word because it's so long and so annoying. Today, after we get done here shortly, you're going to go to a restaurant and you're going to eat. Your stomach's going to be grumbling. Your kids are going to be crying. You might be crying. And every time the waiter brings something out, you're going to be looking. It's not ours. You're going to go over here to Hardee's. You're going to get in line. And there's going to be 57 cars. You're going to go to the grocery store and pick up some food. And there's going to be 300 people in line at Shumpert's. And you've got the meat and the hamburgers and the hot dogs and the ribs. And you're thinking, well, I've got to take two hours to cook this, and I've got to fix this, and I've got to do that. And these people won't move. Because we in America hate being patient. But as a Christian, we're called to be patient. Let's look at that word in the original text of what patience means. It means cheerful or hopeful endurance. Uh-oh, that's, time out, that's not the patience that us as Americans understand as the definition. This is what patience looks like to Jesus. Cheerful or hopeful endurance. Constancy. I had to look up that word. I thought I spelt it wrong. It's actually a word. The quality of being enduring, unchanging, and dependable. Another definition of patience, waiting. Patience. Patient continuance, the last definition is steadfastness. That's not the patience that we have out there. I have an angry patience out there. Come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I don't have time. Get out the way. This says cheerful or hopeful endurance of the seed bearing fruit. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen, and I can't wait for it to happen. I can't wait. I know my situation is turning. I know my life is turning because the word of God, it always works. The seed always bears fruit. That is the goal and the purpose of the will of God is for it to manifest and show up in my life. Look at Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now look at this. Now may the God, uh uh-oh, of patience. So God has to be patient. And as my father, he's the God of patience, so if I need patience, he can give me patience. I might not know how to be patient, not this patient. I know how to be patient out there, but I don't know how to be this patient. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of patience. God's being patient with you. He's being this patient. Cheerful and hopeful endurance. I can't wait for them to study my word. Because if they get a hold of it, it's going to change their lives. I know they're going through something right now. God's sitting up on the throne and he's patiently waiting on you to believe that his word's going to work. I know if they just believe this today, their life would be like this tomorrow. I know if they just believe this, that that situation would change, that their mind would change, that they could get peace, that they could sleep, that they'd stop worrying, that they'd stop being so aggravated, they'd be stop being so annoyed. They just believed it would bear fruit. God is a God of patience. And if you want to be patient, you're in good company. Biblical examples, Abraham and Sarah 
heard the word that they were going to be, Abram heard he was going to be the father of many nations. He was told that by God and didn't have one, by, one baby. Father of many nations, didn't have any children. Took years until he saw the fulfillment of that word. The disciples, after Jesus came back, was risen from the dead, he told them that they were going to receive the Holy Spirit to go wait until the Holy Spirit showed up. It wasn't until weeks later, until Acts chapter 2 happened, when they were all in the same room in one accord, and the Holy Spirit showed up and fell on them. The prophets all throughout the Old Testament, they heard the word of God that a Messiah was coming. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, King David, Adam, Moses, all of these men and women of faith heard and prophesied and wrote down that there was a Messiah coming to save them, and all of these prophets died never seeing the Messiah. Well, I guess the Word of God doesn't work. I guess He's not true. Jesus showed up on the scene. The Word works, just not in your timing. Do you know right now that each and every one of us as Christians are patiently waiting on the seed to turn into fruit in our lives? We have been taught and we have been preached to over and over and over again that there is a rapture that is coming. That one day, the sky is going to split. There's going to be a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds and spend eternity with our Father in heaven. That's a, that's a seed that has been planted. We have not seen the fruit of it, unless we miss the rapture. I, I don't think we have. <laughs> I don't think we have. <laughs> I haven't heard the trumpet. We're all still here. So we haven't seen the fruit of that seed yet. So we're patiently waiting on that fruit to happen. I'm looking up in the sky, not being like, come on, God, what are you, what are you doing? We're waiting forever. No, I'm with hopeful expectation. I've told people this before. When I grew up in church, we had something called rapture practice. Nobody else has ever heard of it. I guess it was just our church. But our, the band would get to playing, and they'd get to going, and everybody would get excited, and everybody would start jumping in the church. And the pastor would start getting excited, and he said, we're going to have rapture practice. And one day as you're jumping, you're never going to touch the ground again, and you're going to go up. And everybody's, yay. We'll do this in a second to wake you all up, some rapture practice. Let's jump ahead. I, I've got I've to land this plane. Revelations chapter 14, verse 12. Here is the patience. If you go read in Revelations, in this particular story, there's like three different angels, and they're talking about all kind of things, the mark of the beast and all kind of end time stuff. But there's this interesting scripture just dropped in right here, Revelations 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. This is what the patience of Christians look like. Here are those who keep the commandments of God, Hear, understand his word, believe it, receive it, and the faith of Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus. I know the world's out there getting darker, getting, getting worse by the day, but I'm going to keep the word of God, and I'm going to keep my faith in Jesus, knowing that he's coming back. So let's wrap this whole thing up in a bow and finish this series out. I want to encourage you today... That the Word of God works. And it says that it's going to bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And you might be sitting there today thinking, well, I haven't seen this answered. I haven't felt this prayer. I haven't seen the 100 fold work in my life. 
But I want to encourage you today by way of the Holy Spirit that maybe it's time to plant another seed. Maybe it's time to believe again. It is possible that the prayers that you have been praying actually got answered. The harvest actually showed up. But because it didn't show up the way that you thought it was, you put it off as God doesn't care about you. You're still here today. You're still breathing. You're still alive. You still got a vehicle. You still got uh, covering over your head. You have a job. God's provided for you. He's taken care of you. And I want to encourage you today. Today's the day to plant a new seed. Let's start over. Let's believe the word of God and plant a new seed to see the fruit show up in our lives. I also felt as I was studying the Lord speaking last night, and I'll read what I feel like he said. He said, some need to go back and rehear some old seeds that fell by the wayside that the devil took away from you. Some need to go back and revisit some old seeds that fell on stony ground. And the temptation, the enticement of sin, tribulations came and took away those seeds. Some need to revisit some seeds that got choked out by the thorny ground. You've let your emotions take over. You've let anxiety, depression, insecurity take over, and it's choked out the Word of God in your life. And today it's time for that seed to be replanted and bear fruit in your life. I'll finish with this scripture. John 15, verse 8. Jesus is speaking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, but this, my Father is glorified. This is where God gets glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. God is glorified when you bear fruit. When the seed that you hear and understand and believe and stand on and don't give way to the things of this world and it bears fruit in your life, it says that God gets glorified. It's time for God to receive some glory in our lives. I want to see the seed work. I want to see the Word of God work in your life, in my life, to where it's not just something on a page. It's not just something that the pastor rattles on for an hour or so, and then we go back to Monday, and all of our world is crumbling. No, no, no. What I'm hearing, what I'm understanding, what I'm receiving, I want to see change on Monday morning. I don't want to have that same dread in the going into next week. Well, I've got to do this, and I've got that, and I've got this going on. No, no, no. I want the Word of God to work in your life and my life, because it says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The last thing I wrote for this whole series is, the seed will work and bear fruit in my life, so the sower is glorified. The seed will work and bear fruit in my life, so the, seed, so the sower is glorified. Let's say that together. The seed will work and bear fruit in my life, so the sower is glorified. The seed will work and bear fruit in my life, so the sower is glorified. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out today. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. It's time to plant some seeds. It's time to revisit some words. Go back and look in your Bible, look in your notes, look somewhere and find something that God told you. It's time to revisit a dream. It's time to revisit something that God has told you. Even now, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking and reminding you, putting something in your memory of, oh yeah, I remember that scripture. Oh yeah, I remember that prayer and I didn't see the fruition of it. Oh, I remember 
that person telling me that. I remember the prophetic word came, and there's a word out there that I haven't seen the fruit of, that you take time this week to ask the Holy Spirit, is there something that I need to replant that you told me about that got pulled by whatever things of life? Or is there something new that I can stand and believe on because I want to see the fruit of it? Is there sickness in your body? Is there a new scripture that you can stand on and believe and hear and watch your body be healed? Whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit encourage you and speak to you today so that we can see this work. We are a church that believes that God still moves, that God is still good, that God is still in the miracle working business. He's still saving people. He's still healing people. He'll still raise the dead. He's a good God. And he wants to take care of you and he wants to help you. Amen. It's going to work. The seed will work. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your word that will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you for this series that we've gone on this journey over the last couple of weeks that you've encouraged us to stand on your word and to see the word go from the pages to fruit in our lives, to see the word become flesh in our lives. Father, you know what's going on in your people's lives. You've heard their prayers. You've seen their cries. You've seen the struggles, the ups and downs, the frustrations. But I thank you that we don't have to deal with those and keep dealing with those, but that you gave us the helper and the comforter to help us overcome those things because you came to give life and life more abundantly. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the seeds that have been sown throughout this series in their lives, that it will bear fruit, that your, your word will bear fruit in their lives, and they will see your hand move like they've never seen before. So, Father, we pray right now for miracle signs and wonders in these people's lives. Father, we pray for the testimony that we are going to tell people in the future of look what God has done. Look how God has changed. Look what God said, and not only did he say it, but he did it in my life. And I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was in darkness, but now I'm in light because your word saved my soul. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. They are blessed and highly favored. Your hand is upon them. You love them. Your mercies are new every morning, and your grace is sufficient for them. Father, I thank you that your word says that they are healed by the stripes of Jesus, that they have the mind of Christ, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, I thank you that your word says that they are the head and not the tail. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. And finally, Father, I thank you that they are blessed being the salt and light of the earth, that not only do we get the opportunity to receive from you, but we also get the opportunity to be used by you. And so, Father, use your people this week to minister and share the gospel message with someone in their family, in their neighborhood, at work, in, in the aisles of the grocery store, wherever we go, use us, Father, to send your message of love and your message of Jesus and the gospel to them everywhere we go. Now, Father, bless them, protect them, and cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.